You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I am Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at WheelsUpNCLE. Joined, as I always am, by Andrew Hedinger, who you can find on social media at Andrew Runzalot. Today, summer is ending. God, where the hell did summer go? Um, But what comes with that, Andrew is back to running. He's excited about it, and he'll tell you why. He'll tell you why he knows he's back. And I'm experimenting. We'll talk about that, too. And, hey, like an hour before we got on here to record, the NBA decided to cancel games today. So we'll talk about that and why they canceled and where the fuck we go from here. Andrew, yeah. how are you doing today? I'm doing about as good as you would expect. Um, yeah. I am, dude, I am just sick of the heavy shit. Like, I just. Yeah, I am. Um, can we have one week? Like, can we just have one week? Bring back the murder hornets. God damn it. Like, I just want something that's not just awful. You know, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but. You know what it feels like an age ago is the um, the Joe Exotic moment of this year, like when all that was going on. Like that was the fun part of the stay at home when everything was new and fresh. Right. And where the hell is this going to go? And then, yeah, things just got heavier and heavier as we went on. And yeah. I, uh, I told you before we started taping, like I actually did a couple of normal things last week and it was – it was amazing in how normal it felt and how much of a, how much of like a punctuation it seemed like compared to everything else. Like, Oh, this is what life is like. I remember this. What, what were some of these normal things? I'm curious. Uh, so I went to the Asian lantern festival at the Cleveland Metro park zoo, um, an outdoor activity. So I felt safe doing that. I had to wear a mask uh, inside the zoo, even though it was outdoors um, so even though I was around other people, like you could pretty much stay distanced and everybody was masked up and, um, but that was just a nice thing to do. It's something I've done the last couple of years and it was just fun to do it again. It's pretty. And, um, you know, there's like little educational things explaining what the different lanterns are and how they fit into Chinese culture. So that was just nice to get out. It was a gorgeous summer night, a, you know, kind of a little bit of a chill in the air, kind of one of those late summer nights you sometimes get, but that was fun. Um, I did go out to a restaurant with a couple of coworkers last Monday and it was another that, situation. You naughty boy. I, not at all. Man, I work in the restaurant industry. That's like, true. If people weren't going out to restaurants, I wouldn't have a job. Um, it's, 
it's a restaurant where I felt comfortable with the measures that they've taken as far as distancing and what they're asking of customers to do uh, when they're moving around tables. It's not one of those packed bars where everybody's crawling on top of each other and not wearing masks and things like that. So um, restaurants are tough because restaurants are, uh, are something that has spread some of COVID. But it's, it's, in my mind, it's a matter of what measures restaurants are taking. And when restaurants do you know, take distancing seriously and capacity limits seriously and, and don't do some of the things that some of the bars were doing when we first opened back up in May, um, I think it can be done safely. I mean, I, I work in it and I, I'm fine. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those tricky areas because I know that, I know that not everybody's doing what they need to do there. Right. Um, I, I felt good about what I did. You talked about the bar across you across the street, which is clearly always packed and yeah. full of people maybe not being as careful as they need to be. I can't imagine they are. I mean, it's a, it's a small bar. can't be any bigger than my house. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been there when the parking lot is full and uh, yeah. I mean, it gets crowded. I don't, I don't know how they maintain social distancing. Uh, and I, I just, I can't, I can't see how that happens. And I think what's just always so frustrating is, you know, usually over the summertime, I love to hear them playing music across the street. I think I've even talked about that on this podcast before. Like when I get like that faint rock and roll uh, from across the street, the classic rock that they're always jamming. Uh, it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. It feels like summer when I'm just sitting out drinking beer. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it just, it, it kind of drowns out the noise from the cars a little bit. And it's not loud enough where we hear it in the house. I love it. Yeah. Um, but right now it's just, uh, you know, when you hear that going on and you hear people yelling and hooting and hollering, it's, and I'm sitting outside drinking beer, I it just sucks, man. Because it's like, uh, that's I'm glad you guys get to go out and have fun uh, yeah it's um it's like it's frustrating and at the same time what's what's what you're starting to see like even not here like in places where things were you know much more under control like spain i know i, I don't know spain's government setup but whoever their chief executive is whether it's a prime minister or a president like that chief executive basically dropped the national plan and just kind of gave power back to regional governors. And without that centralized sort of, this is what we need to do, Spain's seeing outbreaks happen all over the place. And it's just, we're into like what month, well here, like what month six of this, month five Something or like six that. of this. And obviously in, in Europe, it's a little bit longer and it's just, people are tired. And as soon as you let that guard down a little bit, boom, things come back and outbreaks happen. And, um, you know, it's like, I hate it because on one hand, there's a lot of blame that I want to place on individuals, but we've had anything but some sort of centralized single message on this. It's been kind of every man, woman for themselves. And um, so it's just, I, I don't, I don't really know what to say at this point. We've, we've beaten it to death throughout the summer about what people were doing and the precautions they were taking or not taking. And uh, you know what, what we're ultimately seeing is that leadership matters. And even if that leadership is fucking batshit crazy, um, you know, it's one of those things that 
it, it gives people the out and people have taken it. So, <sighs> so, so I want to talk about something that's, it's not funny, but it kind of is. I just sent you a link in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> so I was listening to the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lyman this morning on 92.3. And they, uh, they threw a lot of CrossFitters under the bus. Um, I don't want to say they threw them under the bus. Was it, what was it about CrossFit that they were – throwing under the bus was it the the affairs that was come the, from was it the, there's affairs that come from yes yes like oh so oh okay yeah and i don't know why i i think it's i think it's hilarious Maybe it's because CrossFit's put itself on this pedestal for so long, and now it's being exposed as a as a place you know, where where where, mar really where married people can hook up with other married people. Well, you know what's what's weird about CrossFit, and I've never gotten into it because I don't think you have to have like a PhD in in biomechanics to realize that people aren't supposed to be doing Olympic lifts for speed. Um, that, you know, especially people that aren't necessarily trained in how to do complex Olympic lifts probably shouldn't be trying to max out while doing them fast. Um, but people that are into CrossFit are like tribal about oh, CrossFit. Yeah. Like if you dare speak poorly of CrossFit, they will shun you. And it's just, it's weird. So like, as I'm reading this now about how people are <laughs> hooking up, in their CrossFit classes, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like if, if you're a CrossFitter and you're diehard about CrossFit, you're going to be diehard with other diehard people about CrossFit. And I could see how that might result yeah. in some unsavory affairs happening outside of the gym or, yeah. you know, maybe inside the gym. That's one way to break. Yeah. Calories. Well, you know, the gyms, like, it, they're usually just warehouses. What happens when the door closes? We'll never know. Yeah. No, no. Uh. It's like the Scientology of fitness. It's something. It's weird. And, <laughs> you know, it's weird. And, like, it's, it's so predictable the way CrossFit ended up, or at least the CrossFit CEO, the former CrossFit CEO, kind of went down in flames because he was one of those guys who just – he decided that CrossFit was the end all be all of everything. Right. And then he decided like he was smarter than the doctors. Like if you do CrossFit, you can beat all these health maladies. And it's like, Oh buddy, just go ahead and slow your roll there. You're, just because you were successful at marketing this one thing doesn't mean you know more than a lot of other people on a lot of different things. And um, yeah, CrossFit's actually kind of a, a very sort of perfect cross section or maybe example of some of the issues we're just seeing with other things going on, especially like with COVID, like somebody is smart and passionate about one thing. And all of a sudden they think they're experts on everything and you should listen to them. Listen to the experts that have researched immunology for their entire careers. No, my friend on Facebook brought up some interesting points. Better listen to her. Oh, did I tell you, I don't think we ever talked about this. We're already off topic by the way. Oh, I well, I figured I, I I wanted I wanted to try to bring something comical to the table today because it's been so heavy 
And we have heavy stuff we're going to talk about later on. I'm timing us tonight, by the way. So I'm going to really produce this and direct us here. Um, I, um, I, I just I wanted to bring something funny. That was it. So we're off topic, but it's silly. People hook up. Married people oftentimes <laughs> hook up with other people at CrossFit gyms. And because I have long despised <laughs> CrossFit, it's it's just one other way. I think it's like, I mean, I, it sucks marriages are getting ruined. And if any of our listeners have a spouse who does CrossFit and you don't, it's time to have a talk. Maybe there's a reason people are spending so much time at the gym. <laughs> Like they go for hours, man. Like, oh my. Here's here's a here's a surefire way to know if you are working out wrong. If you are going for hours every time and every time you do, you're waking up sore the next day, you're not working out right. It's the easiest thing in the world to beat the crap out of yourself. It doesn't mean you're getting healthier or fitter. And any personal trainer out there that you might work with that's telling you to do that, fire them. Fire them immediately. We've learned a lot in our, uh, in our times as human beings, haven't we? Because, I mean, that used to kind of be uh, the way. Now, okay, hold on. This is not on the outline, but this is a good little topic to go by uh, or a good little thing Let's to throw go. in here. I think, you know, we, we kind of – for so long, I think it was – that was kind of the mentality was you had to – like you had to suffer to get stronger yeah. and become a better athlete. I mean we all know the uh, – from Remember the Titans, Denzel Washington yelling, water makes you weak. You know, like that's <laughs> – that could not be further from the truth at all. Uh, you know, but that, that's kind of the mentality we've had for so long. And I think it has, I think it still kind of permeates in our society and in, in, in the fitness world and in the running oh, world yeah. that that's, you know, that's Fake where you need to group. be. I, we have, I mean, there are workouts that you should be sore after, but you should never be oh, murder, sure. like murdering yourself, uh, over, over fitness. And, um, I, yeah, I just I think it's kind of interesting like just when you start to follow kind of back generations you just see um you know kind of wh where we came from which was just this yeah you you have to hurt yourself. You I mean you you better wake up sore and then you better get up and pound it again. And it's like that's that's a recipe for disaster not PRs. I think one of the most interesting stories about Roger Bannister when he was training to break the four minute mile is that he'd done his training. It largely consisted of intervals. And what's amazing about Bannister is that he was training to do that while he was in medical school. So like most of his training was being done over, I think it was like a 45 minute, maybe 60 minute period daily. Like during his lunch break, he would lace up, go outside, get his intervals in and then go back to, doing all the stuff you had to do to study, become a doctor. And he'd done all of his training. And within the couple of weeks before he was going to make that attempt, he, uh, he talked to a couple of his training partners and said, Hey, let's go out. Let's go. Um, 
let's go climbing somewhere. He liked to climb. He liked to hike and climb. And he just, he took off and they hiked and they climbed and they eventually stopped because I think somebody like somebody slipped and they caught themselves, but it was like this fear of like, Oh, Oh shit. We might slip during down this hill and like break something. So we should probably stop. But Roger Bannister in the last couple of weeks leading up to his attempt really didn't do any running at all. I mean, it's like now you look at marathon training and you go, yeah, he tapered. He rested, he tapered. He put in his work. He was healthy. He was fit. He tapered. He got away. He he mentally decompressed. But I mean, that's back in the fifties, but you're right. I mean, it's that mentality and that mentality still persists. It's that fake toughness crowd. And you know, the thing about if you're going to grind every day, you could grind every day. Absolutely. You can do it. You can tire yourself out. But just because you're pushing yourself and tying yourself out every day doesn't mean that you are getting to your peak capacity. You're just simply slowly whittling yourself down so that your peak capacity is less and less and less because you're not giving your body the time it needs to recover. That's why, you know, you look now like professional runners like an Ilya Kipchoge, you know, this is a guy who runs marathon miles in like the 420s his easy time will be in the nine minute range. Right. His easy time will be slower than what I run. Uh, Yeah. I can't can't run that. Like I literally cannot. No. I try. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it feels like a shuffle. Granted you and I aren't really going out for like 14 mile long, easy runs. Like the beginning of the week. Like he is. For sure. For sure. He, he's i mean they're putting on 100 mile weeks so it might be a little easier to do that when you are when your body is that much more tired you know i mean right now mm-hmm. like i'm not really um you know i'm not running huge distances right now so it's hard for me to right i don't I, my body doesn't feel the need to go that slow for an easy pace you know, I feel healthy right. and strong with where I'm at. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But um, let's uh, let's move back to our outline. I think that – Oh, nope. I, and I was just going to add – no, I was just going to say I'm going to add to that that I think you hit on something important, which is that I do think as you train and get further into training and go harder, I do think your body does let you know. Like you'll know – when you're running an easy run too hard, when you're in the middle of like peak training, cause you're going to be straining to do it. You know, a pace that might've felt comfortable a month ago will start to feel like, like you're laboring. And that's when you just simply right. listen to your body and go, Oh, okay. I'll shuffle more. Yep. So you were talking about summer ending and uh, that yeah. just, dude, that depresses the shit out of me. And I got to say last you, you said you were doing some normal things last week, dude, last week I was yeah. just, I think I texted you maybe towards the end of the week or something. Um, or it might've been, no, it was when I, uh, it was when I po- was getting ready to publish the episode and I mm-hmm. couldn't remember because we had w- recorded uh, the week before we had recorded two episodes. Our marathon session. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, we, we definitely didn't run negative splits recording that, <laughs> but uh, no, no, dear Lord. Um, but so I couldn't remember what we had talked about and I just, and I was like, what did we, what did we even talk about for this episode I'm about to publish? Cause I had to do the graphic and the, you know, the um, right. s- little synopsis of it and all that. And so I, uh, I just realized like, dude, I just, 
I'd been in a funk for like two weeks and I, I'm snapping out of it a little bit now, but I, I think what some of that funk is, is summer ending. You know, I've, we've talked with people that we've had on here. You and I have made the comments ourselves, you know, you know, we're just so happy that this pandemic was happening over the summer and right. You know, now here we are summer's ending and the pandemic isn't. So now we're going to be heading into fall and winter. We lost. I, I think the Big Ten postponement is what really like kind of sent me over the edge. As much as I may have agreed oh, with the, see that for sure. As much as I agreed with the decision, there are. You can go back two weeks and hear why I didn't didn't agree with how it was handled. And Adam and I debate about that for some reason. But um, uh, wait, you know, I I was looking so. Saturdays, at least Saturdays in the fall, I would have had Ohio State football. Yeah. And, you know, when that was taken away from me, it's like, I like the NFL. I'm not – it does not – it is 50% of what college football is for me. Ohio State football. I'm in the same place with like, you. I, I'm in the same place with you. I enjoy the Browns. I enjoy the Falcons. Um, but it – it's just not – it's not the same. And now that that's been taken away from the fall and the fact that the entire Browns defense is hurt and I still haven't gotten over the Falcons blowing a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl, um, you know, it just – it just really sucks uh, that summer is ending. And I've just really been struggling with that as we get ready to head into fall. But I've been bouncing back. So – I was uh, I was in my garden the other day. I, I've I've talked so much about my garden Dude, this year with my pod. I picked today. I picked the biggest cucumber today. I'm sorry to interrupt. This thing is fucking massive. No, you're good. Massive. Oh, you're good. I mean, I, I, I mean, I posted on my Instagram story yesterday. I cooked three different things, and like it was all stuff from my garden. I made eggplant parmesan. I made vegetable beef soup, and I made. Um, I made pasta sauce and I just dumped a bunch of vegetables into it. It was like all stuff fresh out of the garden. And one of the reasons it's taken, like I've always loved doing it. I started gardening because when I started running, I was like, you know, I should probably eat a little healthier. And that's what got me into gardening. Um, it, it's one of those great little offshoots that came from me discovering running. But, you know, this year with me not training for a race, you know, still planning on running, but not training for a race. So I didn't have that to occupy me. Didn't have, you know, sports or just normal life to occupy me gardening has taken an even more outsized role in just kind of giving me something to look forward to and, and work on. And I was out in my garden maybe a week ago and I was at that point where I started to get a little sad because I, I love the, the beginning part. I plant everything pretty much all at once because in Ohio, you know, it's just weather is so all over the place that I just, I wait for that stretch of nice weather when the weather breaks and I just get everything when I can. Um, and so like I go from this bare patch of ground to everything in and then you wait a month and like everything's starting to grow and it's just popping and you start to see buds everywhere. And I looked at the garden the other day and it's like, Oh, the broccoli has run its course. I've yanked that out. My collards have run their course. I yanked those out. The cucumbers have run their course, the lettuce, like you're starting to see large bare patches of garden where there were plants that I was working on a month ago. And I start to get sad when that happens. Cause that's, that's the beginning of the end. And like, yeah, there's still plenty of stuff to pick. Yeah, but that's the beginning of the. It's not growing anymore. It's ripping out and right. kind of shutting things down. And 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's weird too because my dad and I were talking about this. We do not know where the summer went, and that's so bizarre to us because every day has been the same. Yeah, we couldn't do anything. Like, it's not like we had vacations and trips and races. Like, we weren't going to, we weren't having long days where we woke up to go to work and then go to a, I didn't go to a single Akron Rubber Ducks game this year because there wasn't one. Like, that sucks. Right. I love taking Hayes yeah. to Rubber Ducks games, and uh, you know to to have to not have that is just yeah. How did it go by so quick? I just don't get it. Don't like know. it was literally work, sit outside, drink beer. Like how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. And like the only the only positive that I can find in it is that it does get us closer to whatever vaccine is coming and whatever sense of normalcy that will result in. And I've read enough now to know that February, 2020 normalcy is not coming back the moment a vaccine comes out because we're speeding this up so fast that you're not going to have something that gives you what you're looking for, but it's still going to get us closer to normalcy. And we'll see exactly how much of that can happen. Um, but it's like, that's, that's the sole positive I can find. Like we're heading into fall and you know, like you mentioned college football is not going to be there. Fall races aren't going to be there. Um, I was listening to just one of my playlists on, on my Apple music the other day. And uh, I'm really, I love movie soundtracks. I love working to movie soundtracks because it can be background noise. That I don't have to focus on, but it's You're still there. And like, I, Oh, I'm, I'm 100% a nerd. <laughs> um, I'd say half of my iTunes list is movie soundtracks. But something from the Boston Pops came on, and I was like, I love going to the Cleveland Orchestra Christmas concert. That's not going to happen. So, like, all these things I look forward to in the fall and to the early part of winter, the holidays, they're not going to happen. And it's going to be added to the, hey, cold weather is here. So, right. um, hiking, hiking is going to be my thing. Like, I'll, I'll hike in the cold unless it's, like, freezing zero degree weather i'll hike in the cold i've been i've been doing so much hiking in the calga valley this summer i can keep doing that but holy shit man yeah i don't want to i don't want to think about it i'm gonna enjoy these hot days every time i look at the weather and i see it's gonna be 92 oh, degrees yeah. the next day I'm, I'm excited i do think it's different not training because when you're training for a race yes. you do look forward to fall but you're everything's normal you know so you're looking forward to cooler temps because yeah. you're gonna you're looking forward to you know, watching games outside wearing a hoodie and a jacket, you know, and barbecuing and smoking meat and watching a game. And that's what you're looking forward to. And there's not going to be that this year. Um, so the one well, I do too, like, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was just going to add in there that you were talking about, like when you're training for races, I love specifically this time of year when you're training for a fall race because the weather is soon to break and you start to see the real benefits of the training through that slog that is July and August. And you get that one first cool weather run, which feels like a piano has been taken off your back. Ah, I actually yeah. shared that to our Instagram story. The run, the run I talk about so frequently, that 16-miler for Columbus last year. Uh, you know, that was the first time. Like, I woke up, I think the temperature was like 62 degrees when I woke up that morning. 
and we had come out of that like just hot humid summer and we had that day and i just i felt like i could have run a pr in a full marathon that day and i I will just not ever forget the feeling of that with all the struggles i had through the heat and getting back into building a mileage base through the hottest parts of that summer i was so frustrated and you can go back into our podcasts from last year and you can listen to that i was just really struggling so you know i there isn't yeah. gonna this year yeah we don't get some of that same i don't know that same effect um from the cooler weather for me it's just gonna be ah, oh, great now i just have to rake leaves uh, on the bright side i'll probably actually keep up with them this year there you go well time yeah. Yeah, but on the negative side, uh, I'm going to say make one comment about my garden, and then we're going to move on. As, uh, so yes. I have to move my garden to the other side of our backyard because it doesn't get enough sun. Because, my goodness, I have so much shit that has grown in. <clears throat> but I haven't – like, I told you I had flowers for cantaloupe like a month and a half ago. I have not yeah. seen – I still have the flowers, no cantaloupe. There's just not enough sun. It is just not – that stuff over there is Uh, not getting enough sun because I put it right next to our fence. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating. I'm I'm not going to pull any of it because it's all still still alive. So I'm going to leave it uh, and hope that I get something something. out of it. But – even that's the fun of gardening though, is that there's the year to year. Like I've got a gardening notebook where I kind of keep notes from everything from the previous year, just like little things to try to remember and where my parents have have their plot. Dude, I'm a nerd. I'm a former science major. We write everything down. Um, But like the plot where they have their garden at, they, they established it like a decade or more ago and there's trees not like directly on top of it, but close enough that now with all the growth over like 10, 12 years, there's areas now that are, are shadier than you want. So it's like, I'm looking at it. It's like, how can I maximize this next year? So that's like some of the fun of, of having a garden is things like that happen and you tweak and you figure out what worked one year and what didn't work. It's just like race training. There's a lot of similarities between the two. So I'm, I'm going to go verbatim on our outline here. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, science major. Switch it up, sir. Science major yeah. you were. Um, was I that was a biology what? major. I actually have a biology degree. Oh. I was going to make a sarcastic comment, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> so Adam is experimenting and doing math. Yeah. I, I did notice you, you posted math equations. I did. To our Instagram story. I did. And I had to release a statement on it. Compounding is a powerful thing, man. No, you know, the, the equation that I put up there, uh, and it's, it's kind of related to my experimenting, is just that, you know, people get fixated on, like, having to go and do the whole thing. And, like, if they can't do the whole thing, then they start to lose motivation. Like, you know, think about where you were when you first started running and how – how large a marathon felt and a marathon still feels large, but having gone through it now, you know that it can be divided into chunks and conquered. And just the equation that I posted was that just, if you do just one single percentage extra every day and you do that over the course of a year, how quickly, um, how quickly like things can change. And so 
uh, you know, you were talking about, and you're going to talk about it, I'm sure about how you're starting to get back into it. It's feeling fun for you. And you're starting to feel like you're kind of back into like your normal routine. Um, I'm not there yet. just simply because I just haven't felt like running yet, but I'm starting to feel that excitement. But I also am still kind of working through some imbalances and just kind of experimenting to see, am I going to need to go see a physical therapist or do I have this under control? Cause there's times where I feel like I've got some things under control and I'm back to where I can start running again and feel like I'll be able to keep doing it. And then there's days where I'm not. And I know when I'm back, when I follow a plan, when I'm running and I'm doing my strength work and I'm doing my mobility. And the problem that I run into is that when I'm not in that groove, I tend to just kind of screw around. So I'll do core work for a week and then I'll kind of get bored with it and do something else or I'll stop doing it or I'll do some, you know, upper body work for like a week. And what's been good is coming out of that is like some of the experimenting I've done. I'm like, Oh, that feels more solid than it was before. Like, I feel like I'm more aligned. Like some of those imbalances that I have are getting taken care of. And that will either, if I stick with it, I'll either be back to where I feel really good about my running or I can go and see whether it's Tim and Mike or whether it's Pharrell, I can go to them and say, this is what I've done this is how it makes me feel, but I can't quite get over the hump. What do I need to do to top that off so I can feel really confident about my running? So it's, it's been a good year to not have races, I guess, because it's given me that time to step aside a little bit and experiment and kind of try to rebuild the foundation you and I have talked about, you know, for the last couple months now. And um, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling closer. I'm excited. That's good. That is good. I mean, it's a little thing, but I think sometimes like we get so caught up in the hamster wheel of race training where you're not always oh, excited about it. You're just absolutely doing it. And it's, it's, I, it's nice to feel excited about running just to run again. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that's where I've been, you know, the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, August has been a good month. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to hit a hundred miles or 120 miles or anything like that. I've been back right. to running consistently uh, for the first time since June. And, uh, I mean, really for the first time since March, I, I hadn't really run consistently since, uh, the plug got pulled on glass city and, you know, had kind of struggled maybe for some motivation. Uh, I, I do think some of my motivation towards the end of July came when I just kind of felt like a sack of shit, just coming home and cracking open beer and sitting outside for like six hours and then going to bed and waking up and going to work and coming home and cracking beer and sitting outside for six hours. That was my, I mean, that was my yeah. day. I mean, they were just, what else was there? Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I kind of decided, I was like, I, my alcohol consumption has definitely gone up and I don't like that. I've gotten lazy. I stopped doing things around the house as much. Um, and so I've, you know, put kind of a, put a, put a time limit on, I don't know, limit's not the right word, but um, mm -hmm. I, I put a, I cannot, I do not allow myself to drink beer before seven. I think I've said that before, maybe not on the podcast, maybe just talking with you. Uh, that way I come home and I actually like can get some shit done. Cause as soon as I crack a beer, it is game over. I am not doing anything else the rest of the day as unless it's throwing okay. food on my smoker. That is the only other thing that is the only productive thing I will do once I crack a beer in a day. So to kind of go, all right, let's get to seven o'clock. Like today I cleaned the shower. Like 
I got home from work. I, I started using like all natural soap, which is kind of weird, uh, but it's been really good. I really enjoy it. Uh, but I ordered a bunch of uh, new soap and it came with like this, uh, this soap saver and I was getting ready to set it in a corner of my shower and I was like, I need to clean that corner of my shower. Next thing I knew, I was like, knee deep in Ajax and just cleaning everything. Uh, that's how things work for me. It takes a stupid little thing to get me to do something. I'm over at Mark's buying a new shower curtain liner, all thanks to the fact that I got my new all natural soap. Uh, and uh, I guess that's maybe been a good thing about summer too, is I think I've been focused a little more with the exception of beer on what I, what I'm doing not just putting into my body like food wise, but just putting on my body. Like we, dude, have you ever checked the ingredients of like soap and body wash and toothpaste and stuff? My biology degree helps me read those names. Yeah. I still can't pronounce There's them. There's a lot of chemicals. Dude, it's There's gross. There's a lot of chemicals. And then I get this, I, 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 they don't pay us. Um, but uh, Dr. Squatch, is, uh, they have a brilliant marketing campaign, and I, I bit on it. And, uh, but it's like – If you guys would like to extend that marketing campaign to a podcast. Yes. I'll make sure to tag them in this, uh, in this segment right here. Their shipping takes for fucking ever, though. My God. I ignore that part, guys. Ignore that. Uh, I'll edit it. They won't This will be that. edited out. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, right – right now <laughs> but um yeah so i don't know i'm paying attention to that stuff that's summer where was i talking about running i don't remember I, where was i going with all of that i'm sorry i i interrupted with a pitch it's I, fine i listened to a steve magnus and brad stolberg podcast today yeah and they literally did what we just did in the middle of their podcast stolberg starts talking he's like jeff bezos uh, Bill Gates, Tim Cook from Apple. If you guys are looking for a podcast to sponsor, I just died laughing. I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what we would do. Good. We're equal to Steve Magnus and Brad Stahlberg. That's the best news I've heard Woo. since March. Woo. Seriously, Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook, Bill Gates. If you guys are looking for a podcast to sponsor. Uh, dude, I'll, just, I'll settle for Dr. Squatch and some free soap. I mean, we still got Charlotte's Web. I mean, which we're terrible at. We should have this part out too. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. we're so bad at it. We are so bad at it. But you know, I've been taking it again. We love their products. Again. I, I actually, we love their products, guys. I, I know. I legit started taking it again. That was one of the ways that I knew that I was, um, you know, getting back into running, which I'll go into in a second. Um, because um, a couple weeks ago, there were two things that changed in. Uh, I texted you yesterday. I know when I'm getting back into running and uh, when I'm yes, starting to take this. it a little more seriously. Um, but there, there's, so I'll go into that in a second, but since I brought up Charlotte's web, I want to bring up another thing. I started taking my recovery gummies again, because I still have plenty of them and I, mm -hmm. I wasn't taking them when I wasn't running. Uh, and man, I feel a difference from where I did um, as I started to get back into this a few weeks ago. And I wasn't, a few weeks ago, it's not like I was out of shape. I have an right. active job. Right. I, I was 
you know, only a month removed from training for a 5k and what three or four months removed from training for a marathon and having put almost all of it in. So it's not like I, uh, it's not like, you know, taking these gummies was, didn't have an effect. It did. I mean, the, the Charlotte's web CBD recovery gummies, I mean, they really did help, uh, you know, with some of the negative effects you can feel from running. And, uh, and I did, I mean, I, I love the product and I believe in it and I know you do too. You've taken it. Uh, so, you know, we just want to jump in and plug them there. So, um, yeah, if it's anything that you've ever thought about, feel free to, uh, go to cwhemp.com and shop some of the Charlotte's web products and you can, uh, use the code RBRCBD in your uh, cart at checkout and save yourself 15%. Uh, yeah, or just go to our website, restbeltrunning.com, and we have links all over the place that'll take you there. But um, the other way that I know I'm into running is I've said it so many times on this podcast. I don't count a workout over until I've stretched. Well, when I start to kind of get the habit back a little bit, like I was the first, you know, week or so of getting back into running, uh, I don't necessarily stretch after each workout. And I know people will debate the effects of stretching and stuff like that. You're more of a mobility guy. Some people are active stretch. Some people are static and I'm one of them. Um, and people definitely debate static stretching. I, but here's the thing about like things like stretching and mobility. This running runners' bodies are not one size fits all. And right. what what works for you may not work for me, and vice versa. You are not a static stretcher, right? You know, part of mobility is static stretching, okay. though. Like, usually it's a combination of both. So it's going to be some combination of, um, you know, rolling, whether it's with a foam roller or something more targeted like a lacrosse ball, and then stretching the the released muscles. So it really, both go hand in hand. I think it's more important just that you have some sort of a recovery plan because, you know, just between the, the impact of running on our bodies and then just the, the impact of just daily living. If you're sitting at a desk, your hip yeah. flexors are going to be tight. You got to do something to loosen those up. But you know, if you're always on your feet, you've got to do something to kind of release the muscles in your feet right. and your lower legs, which will help you with your running. I just, I think a recovery plan in general is just needed. However you do it. Right. Um, and you know, uh, I went out yesterday and I had texted you after my run yesterday and it was really when it dawned on me, like I, I have, I'm trying to enjoy the park. That's, uh, I think it's like two miles from my house. I'm trying to enjoy that all I can right now because you know, I am just devastated that summer is coming to an end. I, I cannot, I cannot express it enough. That is this year more than any that is devastating to me i just i don't we went on a walk tonight as a family mm-hmm. when you were getting ready to log on to record tonight we were out walking yeah. and i like i am going not that we can't do that in the winter 
But when it it's gets not as fun. when it gets dark at four o'clock and you have a seven yeah. year old, you really yeah. And the street is a you know a foot less wide because of the snow drifts from the snow plows. You really can't do it safely. So you know, it, I'm just I don't want that to go away. But so in neither here nor there. Sorry, uh, tangent. And that is my no, you're good. That is my brain right now. But I went to my park yesterday, and I went out for five miles, and I finished up, and I instinctively grabbed my yoga mat and my stretch band um, out of my car. Like, I just really knew, like, I'm, I can't go home yet. And that was kind of when it dawned on me. I was like, yeah, you got this back. Like, the whole thought of a workout isn't finished until that's done. Like, right. I'm starting to feel that. Like, I could feel a couple of weeks ago when it was like, all right, dude, it's good you're starting to get back into running, but uh, you're really not doing everything you should be doing. You're creating, you're getting back to the habit mm -hmm. and that's good. That's, that's the hardest yeah. thing to do in running. That's harder than running a marathon, I think, because that is days and days and days and weeks and weeks to get back to that. A marathon is right. A, you know, a few hours, but, uh, I, I just, you know, I was so glad to kind of have that feeling and then to sit there and stretch and just feel so good after I was finished with it. Um, I was, mm -hmm. I was just very excited. And then that feeling this morning when I woke up, I brewed my cup of coffee. I went and sat outside and my first thought was, all right, so what's the run today? Which was nothing because right now I'm on, yeah. a, I'm, I'm doing four days a week, but I like that. That was even like my first thought this morning when I kind of gathered right. my thoughts you know, that, that's the other thing that lets me know. When, when I start to realize I have to stretch after each run and I wake up and my first thought is, what am I running today and how am I going to get it in? Uh, right. You know, that's when I know that I'm back into running. It's a good feeling. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, I'm definitely, I, I'm definitely in a point where I know I need to get back into it. Um, one, because I'm really looking forward to enjoying it. I, I can tell I'm going to enjoy it when I get back to it. And two, is just with summer ending, I'm going to need something over the winter to give my mind a break from everything going on. Um, and it's, it's going to be that. I, I know how beneficial it was to me when we were quarantined. That's when I really started to get into it. And I was, you know, training to train, as you called it. And, um, you know, I, I've enjoyed, I really have enjoyed not doing it over the summer. I think it's been a very nice mental break for me. And I've, I've found, you know, involvement in other things as best as I can. But now it's like, yeah, I'm going to need, I'm going to need that because, you know, just college football is not going to be there and the warm weather activities that I enjoy aren't going to be there and, and throwing myself into something, especially uh, you know, especially as we get closer to the election, like I just need something to, I need something to unhook with and that's going to be it. All right. You want to get to the heavy shit now? We don't have a long time. I planned it like this. 
I don't even know if it's that heavy, honestly. I think it's just it's just it is what it is. And well, that, be the that, that, can be a, that can be a really heavy thing in the United States right now. It is what it is. Yeah. That, that could be anything from like, you know, spilling a Coke on your car floor or 180,000 people dead. I, it is what it is. Yeah, so we're recording this. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday, and like two hours before we sat down to record, I texted you and said, oh, hey, the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to show up for their game today. Um, they it was supposed to be, I think, game five between them and Orlando. I think it was – most people thought it was going to be the decisive game. Milwaukee was going to finish off the series. And, yeah, the Bucks decided that in the, in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting that they just uh, – they were not going to come out. And credit to the Magic, um, they could have accepted the forfeit. And instead they said, no, you know what? We're good. We're with you. And then within, I don't know, half an hour maybe, the NBA just canceled all of today's games. Um, sounds like they might cancel tomorrow's games. And if you scroll through uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's Twitter feed, he has one NBA veteran saying that it's possible that you might just see the NBA season completely shut down in the wake of all this. Um, no, I, I think I, I said to you before we started recording that when baseball was trying to get everything together to start playing again, um, Washington Nationals pitcher Sean Doolittle said that sports are the reward for a functional society. And he meant at the time, you know, COVID. But, you know, what the NBA is doing is um, showing that, you know, it's – there's, there's more to a functioning society than just, you know, the pandemic going on. There's been a lot of things that have been, there's just a lot that's been buried. I mean, if there's, if there's a takeaway from this summer, regardless of where you stand on it, it's that very clearly there's a, we're at a boiling point in terms of what people, disenfranchised people are willing to put up with. And, um, you know, NBA players have basically said, you know what, we're, we're done entertaining we're done entertaining for you to take your focus off of what's going on with your life while not really giving a shit what's going on in ours. And uh, we'll see what happens, but I mean, it's, this is a first, this is a first. I not in our lifetimes, there's never been an athletic event canceled because of players deciding they don't want to show up because they're protesting. And I mean, good for them. Um, we'll see what it leads to. Good for them. That was my exact text to you when you had texted yeah. me just minutes after it was. Now I knew they they had been talking about it. That was the scoop kind of all afternoon, and then you texted me shortly after it. You yeah, might have no idea. Me, you might have texted me as soon as it became official, because I think I did. Because I, I still couldn't. I could barely find anything on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I couldn't either. But my response to you was good for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, we were talking before we came on air. One thing that I had, I, I have seen a few times uh, today on so, and I'm trying to get better at not going into the weeds on um, 
social networks because it's so difficult. Uh, it, it just, yes. it's difficult to not get wrapped up into it. And I don't comment, I don't engage a lot. If I, if I post something, which will primarily be to Facebook, uh, I, I will, uh, because I don't, I have a lot of non-like-minded people there. So I guess it's the one place I'd hope I could make some kind of difference. Uh, yeah. But I, I try not to get in the weeds of at least commenting on stuff and getting into debates for the most part, but I just see things. I'll go through and just see it and still become exacerbated by it. And today the thing I noticed was um, it, it was on a LeBron James Facebook post where he actually used the word fuck, which is not like him on yeah. social media. No. And uh, – Somebody had commented, you're rich, you can't speak for black people. I'm paraphrasing. Jesus Christ. And I, I saw that and I just closed Facebook. I've since posted something else. Um, you know, for people out there. All right. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to fucking do it. So Jacob Blake was not a perfect human being. Or is not. He's alive. Um, but Jacob Blake is not a perfect human being and nobody is saying he is, but in the Bible, we have numerous in the new Testament. There are numerous epistles. Um, and Paul is one of them. He wrote some of the most important books of the Bible. Yeah. Romans, first Corinthians, two Corinthians, Oh, man, it's good to get that in there. Uh, but Paul wrote that. Before Paul was, you know, this guy writing about Jesus and, you know, direct communicator of God, he was Saul. And he changed his name. Saul was a bad dude. He was a murderer. And he became who he became. A relationship with Jesus, the Jesus that evangelicals, you know, claim to follow. The Jesus that I follow. I know my language can make that difficult to maybe decipher at points, but the Jesus that I follow, you know, gave, gave him a chance and, and blinded him and removed the scales from his eyes to give him a chance to become who he became. And I see so many evangelicals posting shit like LeBron James, you're rich. Jacob Blake was a rapist. Not a single one of them can explain why he deserved to be shot seven times. We have a justice system for that. And I, I think that's, that's one of the things that just has driven me so nuts is I do have very strong beliefs in Jesus and I feel that it is a different Jesus than so many people right now no a different Jesus than evangelicals which is the church I grew up in because I see people post things like LeBron James you're rich you can't speak for black people and you click on that person's profile and sure enough it's like God guns and country on their Facebook profile. And I'm just like, what God do you believe in? 
Because sure as hell, that's the same one Jerry Falwell Jr. does. Did I wrap enough, like, crazy evangelical shit into one right there? Sorry. No, you're good. You, you take next. I, oh, my God. I, um... Sorry, that happened right I, before we recorded. So I was just kind no, of like, good. I was a little bit of a champagne bottle being shaken up. And, uh... Right. There we go. I, I had texted you a couple of weeks ago and I, I don't remember now what it was in response to, but certainly something just around the current state of the world. And I told you that I, I hope one of the things that is the, is one of the, the takeaways from this moment of, in time that we're in just kind of across the board is that people recognize that like actual work needs to be done. I think we get caught up a little too much. I use the word performative a lot. I, I, I feel like we get caught up a lot in, you know, posting something on social media or arguing, you know, going through some of those, you know, some of those rabbit holes you're talking about. And there's a place for that, certainly. But we're just at a point now where I think what this summer shows is that like, if you want change in any number of areas, um, you have to be willing to do more besides just simply posting and, you know, arguing with, you know, your crazy uncle who wants to argue about this stuff who you're never going to convince of. Uh, you never, you know, change his mind on. And I, you know, this, this coincided with me. I, I mentioned, I was listening to that Stahlberg Magnus podcast earlier and they were talking about COVID burnout and it was timely for me because I've just been really, I've just been really burned out the last couple of weeks just from everything. And, you know, one of the things Brad Stahlberg talked about was that he, uh, he, he recently moved. He lived in California, and I think he lives in North Carolina now. And he said, you know, he goes down the same rabbit holes. He's like, you know, I was on Twitter the other day and um, said, you know, I, I saw a local politician, you know, where I live, you know, tweet something just asinine and crazy. And he said, I really wanted to like, just, you know, just Twitter nuke this guy, like just yell at him and tell him how wrong he is and get involved in these arguments. And he's like, I realized like that wasn't going to change anything. Like the guy's probably never going to read it. And all I'm going to get is a bunch of people in my mentions and it's going to waste a lot of time. And the, the needle will have been moved. Not at all. And what he did instead was he, he did a little research. He found out who uh, this official's opponent was going to be in the upcoming election. And he did some quick research about that guy and, you know, saw that, you know, some of his views synced up with his own and he reached out and said, Hey, you know, I'm new to the area. Um, your opponent, you know, I saw something your opponent said, it really, you know, got me annoyed and I, I discovered you and, and saw that some of your positions are similar to my own. And I want to know, is there something I can do for your campaign? And he's doing a little bit of copywriting for the campaign now. And it's just that moves the needle more on getting something done than the, constantly staying on social media like so much of what happens and what gets talked about about the things going on in the world happens on social media but at the end of the day the systems are what they are if you want change and change is agonizingly slow because these systems exist if you want change like it happens because you vote in leaders who better reflect your views you you know you boycotts businesses that maybe hold views that are different from your own 
um, you organize voters. I saw, I read a CNN article today. It was a guy saying, this is one thing you can do to, to increase voter turnout. He said, find the 25 closest people to you and make a spreadsheet if you need to and find out where they're at in the voting process. Are they registered to vote? You know, re reach out to every single one of them. Are they registered to vote? No. Find out what they need to do to register to vote. Send them that information. My parents requested absentee ballots. And so I've been with them you know, making sure that like, okay, how, how do we know where your ballot is? Um, are you worried about getting it on time? Um, if you're worried about that, what can you do? It turns out they can go to the Loring County Board of Election. They have a ballot drop box. They can drive there. Mm -hmm. They can drop it off. If they need me to drive them there, and they're both capable of driving, they'll be fine. Um, I'm like, hey, don't worry about the UPS and the return. You know, just go to the Loring County Board of Election. Here's where it is. Here's where the drop box is. Do it there. And this, this article is basically just like reach out to the 25 closest people, see where they're at in the process, make sure that they you know, know the information they need about absentee voting if they need to, if they need to register to vote, whatever it is. Those are like small, tangible actions you can take that do more than shouting into the void on social media. And, you know, the NBA players are taking their platform yes. tonight and using it for, you know, to draw attention to it. And it's going to piss off a lot of people and it's going to encourage a lot of people. But beyond that, like LeBron James, he's registering people to vote. He's hiring poll right. workers. He has set up people in LA. He set up, I think it's the, the Los Angeles Dodgers stadium to be used as a polling place. Like what tangible action can you take? It might seem small. But if everybody took one small tangible mm -hmm. action on the thing they care most about, thing, it would move the needle so much more than shouting into the void. And so like, that's, that's all I can take out of this is that I know we can't change everything right now. And you and I are, are just so fucking tired because we have spent so much of our summer talking about the same fucking things. We're running but, podcasts. Yes. But we can't and we talk have no about running. running. Yes. But I'll tell you what, man, like I look at these things we're we're 70 ish days away from an election and 69 actually, I'm sorry. A very nice number. Um, nothing, things aren't going to change with the speed that we want them to change. But all I know is that they're not going to change at all. If all we do is sit home, tweet and Facebook post and get into arguments and then do nothing else. You've got to do something. And if it doesn't feel like enough, or if it doesn't get you all the way to what you want, get a little bit, get a little bit closer. It might be all we get initially, but get a little bit closer. But we, we've got to stop being cynical because I'll tell you what, man, the people that don't want things to change, they're hunkered down. Police unions aren't going to give up their power just simply because people protest and say mean things on Facebook. It's going to take a lot of fighting and it's going to take a lot of action and we're going to have to commit to it. I want to say if you're going to post things on Facebook, I think Facebook is the only one where you might be able to ruffle feathers and make a difference. Don't just share articles, fucking call people out. Maybe not by name, but I just, I can go back and remember when I was a staunch Republican and it was, I can remember the street I was on when that, that cognitive dissonance was broke uh, in Austin. I was on Ben White Avenue in Congress 
And I was listening to, we had a 24 seven comedy station down there on the FM dot. Wow, it was, had, I wish we had something like that up here. Uh, there is one on the radio.com app. Okay. Uh, it's called comedy now. Uh, whoop. What the hell? Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, I opened the radio.com app to get it, and it just started playing. But so I can remember where I was when I just broke out of this, um, like, Republican, like, something I could, like, almost physically feel it just unravel in my brain. And uh, it mm -hmm. was it was a comedian, of all things. I can't – I can remember how I felt. I can't remember exactly how who the comedian was or how it was delivered. Cause it's just, they would give you one bit of each comedian. Then they say the name of the comedian and they move yeah. on to the next and that's it. And, uh, but you know, he, he was talking about, you know, how Republicans are, you know, these evangelical Christians who believe in Jesus. And, you know, then went on to basically explain, you know, who Jesus fought for. It's basically everybody that you know the conservative evangelicals oppress or seek to and it really it changed me and then my son was born and was in the hospital for two weeks and everything really changed after that but i i still remember like hearing that and going a comedian just really made me think about how my religious beliefs and um, my relational beliefs. I don't believe in religion. Religion is bullshit. Um, but my relational beliefs and politics mixed and how they did not represent one another. It, it was just so interesting. And I, I post things. I will write things out and try to think them out to try to have that same effect on somebody, just hoping somebody reads it. I'm sure I'm blocked or unfollowed by most of them. Yeah. I don't know. They still like the pictures of my kids. So you never know. <laughs> They're following something. You just hope that somebody, there is a hope that somebody sees it. It's not going to be anything tangible. So that somebody sees it and has the same reaction I did when I heard that comedy sketch at that very time. Had I been in my car 10 minutes later, I wouldn't have heard it. You know, like it's, and I, you and I probably wouldn't have a running podcast anymore. But I'm here we add are. One more thing, and this Go. is the heart. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you say heart? Is it going to get is... darker and deeper? No, I, I don't think uh, it is. I don't mean it to be. I um, do much I more than post thing. to Facebook, by the way. No, and, I, and that wasn't targeted at you. Okay. I, I think... No, no. I just, no, that I wasn't just, targeted at you I didn't know all. where you were going to go with this. And I just wanted to no. say, you can find... We, we Real quick, uh, let me say this, and then you can make your point. We have been very outspoken about Breonna Taylor. Very. Yes. Um, because that story, that loss of life absolutely destroys me. Every day I wake up yep. and her murders aren't arrested, it absolutely destroys me. 
and there are websites and I will try to find the links and post them somewhere where I, I don't know what difference it makes, but it at least helps me to know that somebody's email inbox is and mailbox is full of stuff that I've written, even if it's a form letter with a signature on it. Right. Like these people's, uh, it was so impactful um, before the 2016 election. Conservatives had a movement where they mailed bricks to the White House because they wanted a wall. Oh, yeah. And this was before the election. This was before, I, I think, this might have been 2015, even before Trump kind of rose to prominence in that primary. Mm -hmm. this stu that stuff makes a difference, too. It's not always going to be phone banking. Right. Lot, and it doesn't have to be your representatives. I've written the turtle, Senator McConnell. Oh, Lord. I hope he's enjoying Mitch his vacation McConnell. right now. Uh, Mitch McConnell. I'm the, I'm the Senate leader. It's my bad Mitch McConnell. Um, anyway, that's a good. No, one. what I was gonna say was, he has this, the just that Southern drawl. Anyway, God damn, um, please. Yeah, I don't have. I'm, I'm hoping more for the guy that's going after Lindsey Graham. I don't feel too good about the McConnell wow. seat. Anyway, um, I this was this was shortly after, sometime after George Floyd was killed. Um. Somebody posted on Facebook a a, um, a remembrance of when Dave Chappelle was doing a uh, a set somewhere, and I I wish I had this in front of me now. This just crossed my mind, um, so I'm probably not going to do it justice. But he was doing a set, and I don't remember if he said Black Lives Matter. I don't remember what sparked the comments from a a white early twenties girl in the crowd. But she had responded in such a way. I don't know if she said all lives matter or if she said something else that kind of like. I think it was that down. he said, I, I think it was, he said black lives matter. She, I know what, I know which one you're saying. And if you have yeah, yeah. a second, you have to go to YouTube. You don't need a Netflix subscription. You have to go to YouTube and watch okay. Dave Chappelle's latest standup, which came out just a couple months ago. It's amazing. It, it's really good. It is it's not even really stand up. There's some jokes in there, but it's right. it's more just a conversation. It is, it is important. But continue. Yes. And he tells this story um, that you're about to tell. Yes. So, you know, so he mid set decides like okay, the comedy's over. And he goes through and he he lists, you know, the many different cases at that time of police violence against black men that had, had occurred. And, um, he, you know, he goes on and he does it. And after the show, um, this, this woman and her friend sought him out backstage and she was very apologetic. Um, she said, you know, she was very apologetic. She said she didn't know and she thanked him. 
And Chappelle, and this was the point that I was going to make, because I think this point that I'm making, when it's not followed, makes a lot of this harder. He said, hey, it's okay. You didn't know. You weren't part of the solution before. You are now. So go be a part of the solution. And I do think something that happens far too often in this social media age is somebody has their mind changed in the way that you had your mind changed. I mean, in the way that I've had my mind changed on a lot of things, I, I started out from a far more liberal position, but I also grew up in a very small town that was very sheltered and there was a lot of the world that I didn't know about. And so there are a lot of things that I have, have grown on. I think we are far too good at finding somebody who had different thoughts once upon a time when we go, oh, well, you said this back in the day and we wanna cancel them out because of what they said five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever. I don't give a shit. I really don't. We're, we're in an inflection point right now on a lot of things. And to me, it's kind of an all hands on deck sort of moments. And I don't have to agree with these people on everything. I don't need them to have been in lockstep with where we're at right now on everything. If you give a shit about changing it now, that's all I care about. And if your mindset is to go after that person and be like, well, you were wrong, please stop. Life is about growth. And if people are recognizing these things that are happening and are willing to have their minds changed, let them change their minds, find a way to make them your ally and fucking fight the fight that needs to be fought instead of getting mired in going after things that were thought and said years ago. You got to let that stuff go. So I'm going to just give a quick synopsis of the story that Dave Chappelle had shared uh, on that night. And then I'm going to wrap this up because it's time for us to go to bed. Uh, Dave Chappelle was pulled over in his house in uh, Southwestern Ohio um, and was given a ticket by a police officer who mm-hmm. had, or no, he might've even been let off at the morning um, because he was Dave Chappelle. Oh yes. Yes. I think he was and, just let off. Yes. Yeah. And you know, he's Dave Chappelle. You I forgot this part. You can't give Dave Chappelle a ticket, can you? Dave Chappelle's right. Dave Chappelle. black. I mean, if you didn't know this, Dave Chappelle is black. Clayton Bigsby might not know he's black, but Dave Chappelle knows he's black. I know he's black. Dave Chappelle's black. If you don't get the Clayton Bigsby reference, go back. YouTube Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> Please, you'll love. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Cringe, but. Um, so about, so after Dave Chappelle was let off, um, with no, I, I don't want to say no, I can't confirm no ticket. Cause I don't remember if you were a hundred percent, I will say that, but, uh, Dave, Dave Chappelle was allowed to leave this traffic stop without incident, um, from this police officer. Uh, 24 hours later, this police officer was called to a Walmart in the same area. Same police officer that pulled Dave Chappelle over the night before. And a gentleman by the name of John Crawford was at Walmart. And had looked at a BB gun at Walmart. Because he had a BB gun in his hand at the gun counter. Cops were called. 
Without warning, John Crawford was shot and killed by the same cop that pulled Dave Chappelle over. John Crawford's a black man. Yep. Dave Chappelle has stood up for John Crawford and other black people being killed. Find it on YouTube, his most recent stand-up. And listen to him tell the story because it's a hell of a lot better than the way I can tell it. Yeah. But before you tell athletes because they're black and they're rich that they can't say something. Dave Chappelle knows he's, I don't want to say privileged. Well, he is. He's got a name, a face. He's got money, wealth. He was let off. Whether he had a ticket or not, he was let go with his life. Much less to be said for John Crawford. And that's the America that we're, we live in. We've seen it in Louisville, Kentucky. We've seen it in Wisconsin this week. Fortunately, Jacob Blake is still alive, but he'll be paralyzed from the waist down. We've seen it in Minnesota. We've seen it in Baton Rouge. We've seen it in Baltimore, Cleveland. How many more cities do I need to name before we can agree collectively that this is a problem? Before we can agree collectively that change needs to happen? Murderers are running free, and they're running free with guns and badges and authority and power. That is what all this protesting is about. That is what all the raising voices is about. That is what Adam and I can't talk about fucking running. Because you people, so many people can't see it. And I just don't understand it. I think they just don't want to see you, it. Exactly. You're right. I think there's a difference between can't yes, and not wants. Absolutely. And I'm not, a, we might have lost listeners already. And I don't care if we do. I said on a little video where I'm doing a mass giveaway, we don't make money doing this. We couldn't give a fuck. I mean, we really don't. We love what we do. We do this because you and I enjoy doing it, and the people who interact with us are amazing. And I enjoy <laughs> the community that we built. As small as it may be, I absolutely love it. But if this little talk makes you uncomfortable, it's time to look in the mirror and see why it makes you uncomfortable. Period. And if that's the difference you and I seek to make, I'm cool with it. I know where I'm voting. I know where my allegiances lie. I know where I stand on these issues. And it's on the right side. And I know you feel the same way. Yep. And if that makes you uncomfortable, okay. If it makes you uncomfortable, Help us change this so we can move past it and talk about running again. We can mix COVID and running and keep it positive. We can't do that with this. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. We can't really keep COVID positive. COVID at least isn't racist. The positives that have come out of the time we've had away from our normal routine, maybe. That's about all I can get out of it. 
So Adam and I solemnly end this episode tonight. Yep. Because it's time that we make a difference. And uh, that's, that's, that's all we want. Well, we can talk about running anytime we want. Tell you, tell you who can't talk about running anytime he wants. Amud Arbery. <sighs> Lots of other people can't either. I don't know if Brianna Taylor liked running, but we'll never find out, will we? Damn, it's really weird when you put their names to things like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is the former pastor in me coming out. So guys, <clears throat> as solemn as it is to end this episode tonight, um, we stand with NBA players boycotting their seasons. We, we ask that you please vote for change. Uh, I, I can't convince you of what is right and wrong, but I, I just ask that you, that we just, we just hope that you you look at these issues from from the lens of those who have been oppressed, and I mean that's that's what you know Jesus and God called for numerous times throughout the Bible. We go go back into the Old Testament and you'll see it all. I can post that to our Instagram story uh, next to the math equations. We can do we can do all math equations and Bible verses. That would suck. I stand by my math. But we hope that uh, that you have a great week. That you stand up for what's right. Adam, can't wait to talk to you soon. I'm sure we'll talk off air yes, for a sir. minute. Yes, sir. But, um, yeah, go, go and uh, stay safe, stay clean. Uh, wear a mask, stay home if you can. Arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. Arrest the cops who shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back at point-blank range. God, that's awful. That's it. 